And now a highlight from Animal Radio on iHeartRadio. My wife has, uh, she's given me the ultimatum. She's laid down the line. She has told me that I cannot, absolutely under no circumstances, get another cat. <laughs> and mostly because the cat will probably outlive me. Or there's a good chance that it will. Yeah. And what I know that the people like uh, Joey, they have to worry about that all the time. Joey has a bird, Gurney, who's, uh, how old is he? Like 40? got to be in her 40s. 40 years old? Yeah. Could that live bird up could to live, 70s, 80s. Who it knows? will outlive Joey. Yes. And I've asked Joey if Joey has any preparations for Gurney after, mm-hmm. after he expires. Not Gurney, after Joey expires. Does he have Gurney in a trust or uh, any kind of will? He says no. He says each for their own. She'll have to deal with herself <laughs> when that happens. Poor Gurney. Yeah, poor, poor Gurney. Thank, thankfully, Joey is nowhere to be found here. Yes, or he would <laughs> chop your head off. Yeah, he certainly would. Do you have any kind of pets or trusts or wills for any of your dogs, Lori? Um, well, I have a partner, so hopefully one of us will, um, you know. Stick around. The other. Yeah. Unless we, you know, happen to go together or something. I, I guess we're not taking any plane trips together or anything. <laughs> but um, it's terrible. But no, um, no, I, I think we're pretty comfortable with the fact that um, at this age of our life, if one of us should uh, leave forever first, the other one is perfectly capable. For those that don't know, pets are your family, but they're property in the eyes of the law. And that means right. that when you when you punch the big time card, that the government could determine ultimately who inherits your animal. What? Well, I, I don't know all the details about it, but that's why I figured we'd get our good friend and estate planner, A.J. Fudge, on the phone with us. Hi, A.J. How are you? Hi, Hal. Hi, Judy. I'm good. How are you? So what's yeah, the, what, what is the deal? If, uh, if I don't have any plans for my animals afterwards, what happens? Who delegates where they go and, and where will they go? Well, as you said uh, correctly, Hal, uh, animals are treated as property under the law, so they are subject to the same uh, rules and procedures that would apply to any of your other property. Um, and it depends on what kind of estate planning you've done. If uh, you do what I co- commonly call the do-nothing approach, yep. which is to just hope for the best, uh, that is how many animals wind up in shelters and eventually euthanized um, because no one wants to deal with them. And animals are a burden and they are an expense. And most people, um, unless they truly love that animal or are looking forward to having that animal in their home, uh, the shelter is the next stop for the animal. So that, that is commonly what happens to a lot of animals uh, in the United States anyways. Um, if uh, the owner does not do any planning for the animal, that is um, you know, unfortunately, the the end result. So, so that's the, that's the do nothing plan, which costs you absolutely nothing to do. That <laughs> can cost the life of your pet. Absolutely. What are the do something plans? Well, the do something plans are uh, the same type of planning that you would do for other aspects of your property. Um, For example, in California, most people do have a revocable living trust. Um, The reason that they have a trust is because uh, the probate procedures in California are very time-consuming, and they're also very expensive. California has abnormally high um, 
fees involved with a probate. And probates are what will happen to your property if you either do nothing or if you rely on a will for your estate planning. And so because most people want to avoid, uh, for example, the time delay and the fees, they put a trust in place. Um, I did a probate last year and uh, the people actually had a trust in place, but they had forgotten to put a piece of property in the trust. So we were just probating a single piece of property and the probate lasted 24 months <clears throat> and they paid almost $7,000 in fees. What What if I say that uh, I don't want to deal with all the lawyers, I don't want to pay lawyers or anything, I just have a good friend across the street, Kathy, and if I ask her uh, if she'll take care of my animal after I leave and I give her like, let's say $5,000, wouldn't that work? Well, uh, that could work, and it's certainly uh, better than doing absolutely nothing, for sure, is to try and get some kind of plan in place. Um, but you do need to still have uh, some legal documents in place um, to show that uh, your friend is, is now the owner of the cat um, if you pass away. And also, if something were to happen to you and, and you were incapacitated, your friend would need to be able to prove that she has the power to you know, make decisions regarding the cat and um, take care of the cat, uh, just as they would any other item of property. So you could use um, like a power of attorney, uh, maybe a will to accomplish the simplest form of estate planning. The issues with doing that are one, a will, like I just said, is still going to be subject to probate. So there's going to be a a delay there and expense involved. Uh, Even if you don't want to have an attorney, the court basically will take all that money that I was just talking about, those fees anyways. And the main thing that you kind of want to plan around too is just you know, if your friend, if something were to happen to her, you know, then your your animal's right back in the same position if your friend hasn't done any planning or if you don't have a backup in place if something happens to them. So for people that are, you know, really looking to just make sure that their animal never ends up in a shelter, uh, you normally would transfer ownership of the animal to your, your trust, which you have in place for estate planning purposes. Put your animal in the trust as well and you would name some caretakers and set aside that money instead of giving the money to the caretaker directly, it's actually uh, done through the trust so that, you know, the money has to be used for the animals and it can't be used for, you know, gifts to their relatives or their own personal expenses or things like that. Mm. We are with AJ Fudge. She's an estate planner. We're talking about pet trust. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back and I'm going to find out just how much should we be leaving our animals. That's next. Stick around. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets in this life and beyond. Do you have a pet trust for your animals? That's a pretty serious question now, as they are treated as property. And if you don't have a pet trust for them and you're you're gone, who's going to take care of them? And you can't just rely on that handshake with that next door neighbor, Kathy, I just learned. Uh, that's not legal. You need to have it written down. It needs to be documented. That's what I've learned so far. AJ, AJ Fudge, our estate planner and good friend. How much should I leave my cat? <laughs> well, it, it always depends. Uh, I have clients um, that ask me that question all the time. And I usually say it, it depends on how old the cat is and, and what kind of you know life the cat is living now. For a regular cat um, that just leads a pretty standard life, uh, I usually say you know you can leave anywhere from around... 2500 to 5000 and the caveat on that is that you know that money is used to take care of the cat for their food, medical expenses, um, boarding, that kind of thing and uh, anything that's left over from that 
can still just go to your beneficiaries. Um, so I say it's it's usually better to err on the side of too much rather than too little, just because if you don't leave enough, then there's an issue with where are those funds going to come from. And uh, if you leave too much, it's not a big deal because that money is just going to go to whoever your beneficiaries are anyways. Yeah. Um, and there are situations that I've also had with clients and, you know, the kind of other end of the extreme from just passing the cat off to a friend with some money is, uh, you know, they, they have an, an elderly cat or a group of cats that are living in the house together and, and they want to make sure all these cats can stay together and stay in their home. And, you know, those types of plans um, are a little bit more uh, elaborate in the planning that we do. And the money that's set aside also increases for that type of thing, because you're not just looking at a single animal, you're looking at a group of them and then possibly maintaining a home for them as well. So I have a question. Maybe I'm just thinking kind of of the bad things people do, but how do you ensure that, say you're going to leave $10,000 for the care Mm -hmm. of your cat, how do you ensure that someone isn't going to, say, euthanize your cat and pocket the money, Um, you know, just thinking bad things happen? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, And that's really where you're getting a lot of benefit out of the trust structure. Um, When you do this through an animal care trust, as they're often called, uh, you have the money set aside in the trust. Uh, Your trustee is overseeing everything just as they are with your other items of property and your other accounts. And the caretaker is who's actually taking care of the animal. So there's a check and balance system in place to make sure that the caretaker isn't doing anything um, as you suggested, euthanizing the animal and just pocketing money. There's a trustee in place to kind of oversee everything, just like there would be with a child and you're leaving money to the child and the child's guardian. Obviously, you want to make sure that that money is used for the child or for that animal. And that's what the trustee's job is. And they're actually under a uh, fiduciary duty, which is one of the highest duties of loyalty that you can have under the law uh, to make sure that all trust funds um, and trust goals are met. And if they're not, they can face a tremendous amount of liability. And so most trustees are, are very conservative and, and make sure that uh, things are being followed um, to the letter. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was I was hearkening back to Leona Helmsley, the, uh, mm-hmm. the hotel owner who had Lucky, I believe was the name of the dog. I just remember mm-hmm. that because that dog was damn lucky. It got <laughs> a huge trust fund, uh, more money than any dog would ever need probably what happens to that and what really is the story behind that was there someone that was going to get the rest of that money after the dog passed uh yeah unfortunately you know leona's situation um was a a few decades ago now and the you know the law is a constantly evolving creature and and she unfortunately mostly relied on a will for her estate planning and a lot of the the trusts and things that were to be created um in her estate were actually done through a will after her passing and anytime a will is involved um it's it's you know, a little bit of a shady environment because wills have been around for so long and there's very strict rules that apply to them. And uh, her estate was just unfortunately very mismanaged and there was a lot of trustee abuse. There was, you know, not a good system of checks and balances in place. Um, But assuming that, uh, you know, we take all of that to the side, she did leave a ridiculous amount of money for her dog. Um, And obviously there's going to be something left over there and that money would just end up going to whoever her ultimate beneficiaries were. Um, like It's the same situation. Anytime you have something left over, it just goes to what they call your residual beneficiaries. What age should we get a pet care trust? Uh, 
you know, none of us have a crystal ball, and unfortunately, you know, something can happen in a blink of an eye. I, I'm a believer that when it's your time, it's your time, and you could just be stepping outside the front door of your house, you know, and something can happen to you. So I usually say uh, if you have, you know, children or animals or any kind of substantial property, um, that's the trigger for doing some estate planning because especially with children and animals, they cannot speak for themselves. They don't have much of a voice and, you know, animals are, are treated as property under the law. So they have even fewer rights than a, a child would and they don't have any advocates appointed for them. So um, I think it's a responsible thing to do some sort of planning for your animal, just like you would for your child as soon as you have one. Um, just because you never know, you know, when something could happen. Mm. Better to be protected. Absolutely. The topic is near and dear to your heart. You have a book out called A Life of Love, Mandatory Reading for Animal Owners. It talks all about the subject that we've been talking about for the last 20 minutes or so. I appreciate you taking time to visit with us. AJ, you're always welcome on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Al. It's a pleasure as always. You're listening to Animal Radio. Visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android.